I know that you guys have been reviewing uh, the Apostles' Creed, um, which is uh, a very practical message. Uh, I know growing up, I learned the Apostles' Creed as a kid, right? We needed to recite it once a week. But um, as many things during my youth were not too meaningful in terms of like my relationship to God, right? It was more of, oh, I need to memorize that because I'm in a Catholic school and, you know, it was just a duty. But, uh, but like the Apostles' Creed has so much, right? Like if, if we look at it, we talk about our triune God, God the Father, the Son, the, the Holy Spirit, how Christ died for our sins, how he rose again, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Uh, and then practical things for us as believers, as the church. We have, um, and today I'm going to uh, be sharing with you uh, one of those practical things, which is forgiveness. And if we look in, in this world, uh, something that I see missing is forgiveness. Uh, we see that because of scripture and also based on experience, that the heart of the human being is full of hostility. Right? We, if, we were, if we're honest with ourselves, we look deep inside and we see that um, there's definitely nothing good in us, right, other than the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in us for those who know the Lord. But uh, we see this, that, uh, that our hearts are corrupt. And, and also we see this also throughout human history. If we look back just a short period of time in history, well, you know, the wars that happened between Russia and Germany, which they killed like 13 million people, you know, without any reasons. None of these people were in the military. It was just something devastating. So, so the hatred, the, the anger of the human heart can really go beyond comprehension. And we see that in, in our history. Um, and that shouldn't surprise us, right? The Lord said to the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees being, being the, the most moral people in Israel at that time, um, he told the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. And he, from the beginning, was a murderer, so now you seek to kill me. Right? So if this world is under the power of Satan, right, we read in the, in the word also that this world is under the power of the priests of the earth, and uh, he, he's going to have an influence in us. Right? Uh, hopefully not for those who know the Lord, right? we should have the armor of God in front of us. But for those who don't know the Lord, they're going to be heavily influenced by, by Satan. Uh, and that is reflected in all the violence that we see. We see now, like even if, um, you, if I watch the news or I read the paper, you know, unfortunately we see things like these uh, mass shootings, these massacres that happen in, in, in our country, also overseas. And if you look at the reasons why these things happen, there's, there's not a, a, a real reason other than the fact that God is not too present in, in, in our lives anymore, right? So God is no longer in our schools. God is no longer in our families, in our homes. Uh, I was reading an article that less than 50% of Americans attend church. Uh, so so the, the diminishing presence of God is a big driver for all the violence that is happening. Right? People are growing up without the fear of the Lord. They, don't, they feel like they're not accountable for anything. You know, like you just do something really horrible, and then you die and you disappear, right? And, and we know that that's not true. We're all eternal. Whether we go to heaven or we go to hell, we're going to be accountable to someone. And that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? He's the righteous judge. Um, so 
Something that, that is definitely missing in the world is forgiveness. Uh, and we have a great example of forgiveness in, in the Word of God. We see that uh, there are many, many examples there. We have the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? He is the great example of how to be a forgiver person. Uh, and also something that, that drives, uh, that could drive anger and, and, and hatred in, in our lives is also all these self-centered uh, feelings that we have, like all that self-centered focus that we have in our, in our, in our minds. And James, in James chapter 4, uh, starting in, in, in verse 1 and 4, right? James gets into, into this a little bit. And he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in, mem in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not, uh, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures, right? So James is pretty much saying you're just asking for your own pleasure, for your own desires, for your own possessions, right? Everything is about you and, and that's why you're not receiving anything. You're asking with the wrong motives. And, and to be honest, when we are in that situation, when we feel that something or someone is... Uh, is messing up with our things, right, with our self-centered focus, that's when we start doing damage to that person. Um, so it's something really, uh, it's something that we have to make sure that we control, right? We can't let anger drive our lives. We can't let uh, these feelings of, of that, are, that don't come from the Lord drive our lives. And Ecclesiastes 7.9 also gives some wisdom on this. Uh, it says, anger resides in the heart of fools. Anger resides in the heart of fools. Uh, we see that also the word says that those who say there is no God are fools. But also believers can be fools, right? If we let anger reside in our hearts, then the word says that we're fools, right? And why, why does it say that? It's because we are trapped on this offense or, or trapped on, on on an event of the, the offense or the offender, that something that happened in the past, and we still are just thinking about that offense that happened, and we can't forgive, right? So we're going to be trapped to, we're going to be shackled to that moment. Um, then our thoughts are going to start being a little more uh, bad towards the person who committed uh, something against us, right? So we just have to make sure that. Um, that we don't let that happen. We, said we have the perfect example of the Lord, how he called us to be forgivers, right? How he said, you have to forgive your neighbor. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, the, absence of the absence of forgiveness really can destroy relationships. We see that in, in, you know, in our families. Uh, my mom has a, a large family. There are like 13, uh, 13 siblings altogether. So... Sometimes they're, they're going to have um, disagreements, but we shouldn't let those disagreements destroy our relationships. Right? I see that siblings don't talk for months, for years. Uh, it's just something sad, right? And, and, this, it, and that can be spread. That can also be spread to our schools, can be spread even in our church. Right? If we have disagreements between, among us, right, we have to make sure that we go and solve those disagreements with the person who is involved 
uh, or, or pray, right? Ask for ask God for guidance on how to solve those disagreements. But they can, if we don't, if we don't address them, they can really destroy relationships. It can even destroy societies. So, we see that uh, for what I mentioned from for what the Lord told the Pharisees, right? That those who are under the power of Satan uh, belong to the world, right? And so when we hate, when we uh, are angry to the point that we want to kill, that's when we're more like Satan, right, according to the word. But when we love, when we forgive, that's when we're more like God. And, and that's what we have to practice. As a church, that's, that should be marked in our lives. We should be marked by our love and our forgiveness that we, that we see through our Lord and Savior. Uh, so what is um, the importance of forgiveness? Right? I would like to uh, look at the Bible, a few verses, and see why is forgiveness important. Right? So in Proverbs 19.11, it says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's a man's glory to overlook a transgression. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, right? Discretion meaning wisdom, and as and a man's glory is to overlook a transgression. So man doesn't get any higher than when he overlooks a transgression. Right? When we rise ab- above our bitterness, our uh, hostility, we and we forgive, right? The word says we don't get any higher than that. Um, and also in Proverbs. 10, 12, it says, Hatred stirs off strife, but love covers all transgressions. And Peter also, 1 Peter 4, 8, mentions something about this when Peter says, Love covers a multitude of sins. So a man's glory is to overlook a transgression. Right from all the human virtues, uh, I think like there's nothing more God-like like forgiveness. We ha- that is something that we have to practice. Right? And and we all know that we, we can practice that because it is our responsibility, right? We have been forgiven by God, right? None of us will be here or sh- celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning if we wouldn't be forgiven by God, right? God sent his son so he can be the, uh, the payment for our sins. And, and our sins have been forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we receive that huge forgiveness from the Lord himself, that is something that we also have to share with others. That is, that is our responsibility. Uh, so we were going to look at a few verses. So there are five, five, um, five things that I would like, five biblical uh, reasons why we are to forgive that I would like to review this morning. But before that, there's also some metaphors that, um, that the Bible shows about forgiveness. And these are metaphors. And there's, I think there's about 75, but I'm just going to give you a few. So to forgive us, to forgive is to turn the key, open the cell door, and let the prisoner walk free. To forgive is to write in large letters across the adept, nothing old. To forgive is to pound the gavel in the courtroom and declare not guilty. To forgive is to shoot an arrow so high and so far that it can never be found again. To forgive is to take out the garbage and dispose it, leaving the house full of cleanliness and sweet-smelling fresh air. To forgive is to lose the anchor that holds the ship and set it free. To to forgive is to grant a full pardon to a condemned and sentenced criminal. And these are all biblical metaphors about forgiveness. 
So the attitude of forgiveness, right, should be found in, in Proverbs 24:17. Proverbs 24:17 says, "Do not rejoice when your enemy falls or stumbles." Wow. How can how can we do that, right? Do not rejoice when your enemy falls or stumbles. But that's what we're struggling to do. Right? Those who have done wrong to you, those who ha- have persecuted you, you should not rejoice when they fall or stumble. That's a, that's what the word says. Right? And and it is true. Like if we're honest, we know that when we forgive, we f- we feel like a sense of freedom, right? We're not bound to that offense that happened in the past anymore. We're you know, it's healthy. It's something that uh, is sensible. It solicits love. And, and forgiveness, I mean, it, it is practiced by, I'm not sure if uh, most people, but it's practiced by a lot of people, for uh, believers and non-believers. In my opinion, believers, we should all be um, recognized by our love and our forgiveness. Right? For non-believers, I have friends that I know they can forgive. They're not, they don't, they're not Christians but I know they can forgive, right? But I can't say that all non-believers are forgivers. I can't say that. However, for Christians, I, I, I'm expecting that all believers are forgivers, right? Because we have been forgiven, and it is our responsibility, again, to, to forgive others. Um, so the five reasons that I would like to share with you this morning, right? So number one, it's uh, something that I already mentioned that is nothing more God-like than forgiven. Right, that is that is uh, an act that the most godlike act that a person can do is to forgive, and we're gonna see, you know, why it is a godlike reason that uh, to forgive. One is because we are called the, the sons of God, right? If we are the sons of God, we have to be like our Father who is in heaven, and He is a forgiver, right? We we already we have said that God has taken up residence in our hearts. So if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, then we also have to show uh, the character of God, the nature of God. In Matthew 5, if you can open to your Bible in Matthew 5, uh, this is the, the Lord preaching on this, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? In chapter 5, verse 43, the Lord says, you have, heard that, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right, and, and, and that's true. That is in Deuteronomy, right? The Lord did say that, um, commanded the people of Israel to love their fellow brothers and sisters from Israel. They were the chosen people and to hate the Gentiles, right? The people outside of, of their, their, their boundaries. Uh, and it, it was something noble, right? For the Jewish people at that time, it was something noble to hate because it was instructed, right? They, they were instructed to do that. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came, right, he changed all the dynamics. He changed everything. He changed all the, the teaching that was done in the past, and he actually went even farther than that. So he continues, right, in the same, in the same chapter. But I say to you, love your enemies. Don't hate your enemies. Love your enemies. Praise for those who persecute you. In verse 45, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So we're never more like God than when we forgive. Right, and then he says, For he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? 
Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the perfection that, that the Lord Jesus refers here is us forgiving our enemies, right? That's when we are like God, that when, we are, uh, uh, when we're showing his image, right? Uh, in Exodus 34, we see also some, some of the attributes of God and the nature of God. In Exodus 34, God introducing himself to Moses as the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, forgiving iniquities, transgressions, sins, manifesting loving kindness. God is a forgiving God. In Psalms 32, I'm sorry, we're going to be a little all over the place, but um, I have a few verses that talk about the forgiveness of God. In Psalm 32, it says, How blessed is the man to, wh- to whom the Lord does not impute inequities. Psalm 130, verse 4, says, there is, a, there is forgiveness with you. And the wonderful words that we see also in the, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 1, very familiar to us. Come, let us reason together. In verse 18, Though your sins are as, as, as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. God is a forgiving God. Right? Also in verse 43, in chapter 43 of the same book of Isaiah, it says this is, uh, and, and we see this um, theme of Isaiah preaching about a forgiving God. Right? In verse 25 of chapter 43, it says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Right? For my own sake, says the Lord, for my own glory, I will forgive your transgressions and I will not remember your sins. And again, the familiar words in Isaiah 55, right? It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. That's God is a forgiving God. Uh, and one of, the, uh, one of my favorite accounts in the New Testament is the, the one that we find in, in, in Luke 15, the account of the prodigal son, right? How the Lord Jesus uh, makes this amazing parable, right? This son who has disrespected his father, this son who has disrespected his family, his inheritance, he took his money, he went away, he spent it on the things of the world. Then he realizes that he was broke, he didn't have anything to eat. He went to eat with the pigs, and when he was eating with the pigs, he, it came to his mind, he realized that he had committed sin, right? That he has sinned against heaven and against his father. And what does he do? He goes back to his father, and his father doesn't uh, reject him, right? He, he comes. Uh, he comes to his father, and his father was already waiting for him with open arms. Uh, he saw him from far. He ran to him. He hugged him. He kissed him all over his head. He put a ring in his finger. He put a rope on his back. He gave him sandals, and he celebrated the forgiveness, right? That's, and that is a picture of God, how he takes us, you know, ugly as we are, sinners as we are, but he accepts us as we are, and he forgives us, right? That is a picture of, of God, our Father, how, how he's a forgiving God. Um, and also on the cross, we see the same pattern of the Lord Jesus, right? On the cross, what did he say? He said, Lord, forgive them because they do not know what they do. 
And, and that pattern also fo was followed by Stephen in Acts 7. Right? Stephen also said, Lord, do not charge this sin against them. So forgiving has to be part of the, of the Christian life. Right? We, that is something that we should exercise all the time. The same thing as loving our neighbors as ourselves. Right? We should also forgive others um, as the Lord just did for us. And there's some, some clear, straightforward instructions from, um, uh, in Scripture that we can follow. If you open your Bibles on Ephesians chapter 4, right, we can read a few verses here. Ephesians, Ephesians 4 and verse 31 says, and this is Paul speaking to the believers in Ephesus. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Right? And this assumes already that offenses will happen. Right? We, God is already saying you're going to forgive because you're going to be offended and you're going to offend others. Right? These, things, these things are granted. We can't live in this world without offending anybody. Right? Like, and you can ask that to my parents. They're going to be, oh, yeah, no, Jorge, yeah, he, he offended me a few times. But, uh, but it's going to happen. But the, the also what is, um, what is requested by us is to forgive as well. We see that um, also in the, in the same chapter, if we, if, we, if we go back, if we go in the same book, if we go to chapter 5, right, it says, um, therefore be imitators of God. That is in chapter 5, ver verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God right, be uh, as beloved children and walk in, in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, right? That, that's what we're called to do. We have to be imitators of God. This morning we saw, uh, we, we sang this, uh, I shall be like that son, thy son. Right? It's a beautiful hymn, right? That should be our goal. We should be like, like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to try to uh, portray those Christ-like attributes, that we have uh, through the Holy Spirit. So, if we want to be like God, right, we we have to exercise His His attributes. We can't just be um, we we can't have anger in our hearts. We just have to uh, make sure that we, that we practice what we read here in Colossians, also chapter three, in verse twelve. It says, "You are the chosen of God." You are holy and beloved. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone without any qualification, whoever, anyone you forgive. That is instruction. It's straightforward. You forgive. Just as the Lord forgave you, you also should, uh, you also should do. And we see also this, this was a pattern in, in, the apostles, uh, in, in Apostle Paul's life, right? We see that he was always willing to forgive. He forgave the people who put him in prison. He forgave also the people who uh, wanted to kill him uh, for his faithfulness. Right? He was also willing to forgive. So that is, a, that is a pattern that we should follow as well. So number two, right, in our progression, uh, we see also that... Uh, Son of the Commandments talks about, and that's the sixth commandment in Exodus 20, that thou shalt not kill, right? That, that is a straightforward commandment, thou shalt not kill. And, you know, I'm hoping that everybody here follows that commandment. 
But, uh, but the Lord goes even farther than that, right? So, so for the Jews, they were like, okay, I, you know, I, I hate this guy, but I haven't killed this guy. So I'm good. I'm, I'm fulfilled that commandment. And, and they know because there were consequences, right? If, if they were to kill somebody, according to Genesis 9, they had the death penalty. So they're probably going to be put to death also. But the Lord goes a little farther than that, going back to Matthew 5, right, on the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord says in verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. You shall not commit murder, right? We saw that, we just talked about that in Exodus 20. And then, uh, but he says, but Jesus says in, in verse 22, But I say to you, that whoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the counsel. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Imagine this. Like, the Jews have been, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, they have been teaching the Ten Commandments, right, for a long time. And the Sixth Commandment is, thou shalt not kill. But now the Lord is saying, no. You have to even go farther than that. It's not just the action of killing. It's also the intent of the heart. So if you're already talking bad about your brother, if you're already despising your, your, your neighbor, uh, uh, you know, talking to the, your neighbor in arrogance, then you're, you, you're guilty also. And the, Lord, and the Lord says it here, right? So, you know, you're in danger of hellfire, he says. But you may come back to me and say, hey, but what about me? Like, I'm already safe. Uh, how can I go to... You know, how can the Lord say this to me? But, um, yeah, we're, we're safe. I mean, like, we, we saw that we worshiped the Lord this morning for who he is and for what he's done for us. He has settled everything on the cross. Our salvation is already settled. But, um, but what this is saying is that if we don't trick uh, our neighbor as ourselves, right, we're, we're not going to be in that place of blessing that God wants us to be. We're, going to, we're not going to be used in a way that he has intended us. We, we just have to make sure that we stay in that place of blessing, right? That, that we are conscious of this because, the, I mean, the commandment, is, is, it, it's, uh, it, it goes beyond just the action of killing. I mean, it goes, now it, is, it goes down to our hearts, and we have to make sure that our, the intent of our heart is not bad. Uh, in John, 1 John 3.15, he says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Wow. So, strong words, right? Uh, but we see that, uh, you know, those are, those are things that we, sometimes we just have to be careful on how, and probably some, it, may be not, it may not even be intentional, but just we have to be, make sure that our feelings are under control because um, things get out of control when we let anger drive our lives. Uh, number three in our progression. Uh, so we just saw that it is good to forgive because it is God-like to forgive, right? And also we saw that the, the sixth commandment, now it goes to the intent of the heart. And the third principle, um, we have to be mindful that God is the most offended when we sin, right? It's, I can sin against my, my, my wife or, or my brother, but um, that is just an offense against one person. Imagine all the people in the world, billions and billions of people, committing sin every single day, every single minute, every single second. And God is the one as, uh, being affected by all that sin. He's the most offended, and he still forgives. Like, that's amazing. Like, that he, 
He's the one who has been offended the most, and he's the one who forgives the most. So if he forgives the most, why, we, why can't we? Right? What, sometimes even in movies, we see this dramatic phrase that says, uh, uh, may God forgive you, I won't forgive you. Right? Like, who do we think we are? We, we're not, we don't have a higher standard than God. Uh, we're not uh, more than God. So if he forgives, we can also forgive. In Psalms 41, uh, this is David speaking. So he says, as for me, in, ver- in, in verse 4, it says, As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Right? And also in, in Psalms 51, right, this is David who had committed sin uh, because of his uh, immorality with Bathsheba and, and also what he did to Uriah, how he put him in a compromised position and Uriah, Uriah ended up uh, losing his life. So David also committed murder, like he, he kind of murdered Uriah. Um, but he says in, 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 in Psalms 51, he recognizes that his sin was also against God. And he says, against you, you only, I have seen and done what is evil in your sight. Right, so, and sometimes it's hard to, to think, or sometimes I even forget that, you know, with my actions can affect the people who are around me immediately, right? So that, that would be an immediate action, but it also affects God. Uh, so keep that, keep that in mind, that, that our actions are also affecting our Lord. Uh, so the, in number four in our progression, right, the, uh, the Bible also calls us to forgive because it, it is reasonable for us who had received this great forgiveness to also forgive, right? Uh, and the illustration, we can see this in Matthew 18, and we can turn to Matthew 18 really quick. Uh, and this is the teaching of, of the Lord. Matthew 18 in verse 21. Right? This is Peter speaking. And Peter comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, how, shall, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Right? And Peter thinking that he was going to get a positive response from the Lord. He says, Peter says, up to seven times. Right? And some historians think that the Jewish people were supposed, the, the Jewish, in the Jewish culture, uh, they were taught to forgive at least three times, right? If you forgive three times, you're fine. Uh, they wouldn't forgive a fourth time, according to some, some historians. Uh, so what Peter is doing here, probably, he's like, I'm going to double that and add one more. So I'm going to say seven times. Uh, but then what, what does Jesus say, right? He says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, 490 times. Right? It's like you have to forgive all the time. It's a constant thing. You have to do it all the time. You can't just, you know, uh, forgive up to seven times. You have to, it's, it's constant. You have to do it all the time. And then for this reason, he also gives a parable. Right? And he says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one of one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So keep in mind that a talent was a 15, year, uh, 15 years of labor. Right? That was one talent. And this slave owed, owed the king 10,000 talents. So that was a, a non-payable debt. Right? And then he was brought to the king, and the slave says he didn't, uh, his lord commanded him to be sold. Right? The king commanded him to be sold, uh, and his wife and his children, so he can pay some of that debt back. But the, the slave pleaded with the king, and he says, 
uh, have patience with me and I'll repay you everything. Right? We know that that was impossible. 10,000 talents, that was impossible to pay back. But in verse 27, it says, And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Right? So again, this is a picture of our Lord, of our, of our God. Right? How we have this unpayable debt and, and he has forgiven our debt. Right, through our Lord Jesus Christ. He was the, the penalty for, for to pay that debt. Um, but it's also an amazing picture of God, how he's able to forgive that, that huge penalty. And we see, but what happened with the slave in verse 28? He went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. So a hundred denarii was a hundred days of work. So that was something that was payable. Right, and he sa- it says, he sees him, began to choke him, saying, pay back what you own. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him and made the same speech, have patience with me and I will repay you. And that was possible, right? It was 100 days of work that was possible to do that. But what, what did the slave do? He sa- it says that, but he was unwilling and went, to, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owned. So first of all, how can you pay back when you're in prison, right? Can't work. Uh, and second, like he had already received this huge forgiveness, right, from the, from the king. But he was not able to forgive a little. So that's something for us also to, to be mindful, right? We have received this huge forgiveness from God. So we should be able to also forgive a little. Uh, and the last principle that I would like to review today uh, is that we have to forgive so we can also receive forgiveness from God, right? And when I'm not talking about eternal forgiveness. We already said that, that's, uh, that that was settled on the cross, right? But if we go to uh, Matthew, back in chapter 6, again, the Lord's uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Pray this way, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or, in other words, forgive our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. So you forgive us, we will forgive, right? That, that is our responsibility. But then in, vo- in verse 14, the Lord gives a little warning here. And he says, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions, right? So same thing. It's not, we're not talking about... Uh, your salvation, that was already settled. We're talking about being in that place of blessing. Like if we, if we don't forgive others, we're going to be bound to, to our anger. We're going to be bound to our bitterness. And we're not going to be in that place of blessing that God wants us to be. And just one last final point before we close. Uh, all, this, uh, all these things that we have seen, you know, like uh, we talk about some, sometimes offenses, could happen in uh, even when we're doing the right thing, right? Even if we if we think we're doing the right thing, we think we're serving God. We we see missionaries, you know, doing the right thing, spreading the good news of the gospel, but but they still are being persecuted, right? There's still something, so, some some bad things happen to them. All these things, according to the word, right? All these criticisms, injustices, uh, they're there to perfect our faith, and and we see this in in First Peter five ten. It says, Are you suffered? After you've suffered a while, the Lord will make you perfect. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, you know, I pray that the Lord will remove the thorn in the flesh, and I pray three times, and he, will, he never will do it. And then he says in verse 12, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. And then in, sec- in 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 20, he says, If when you sin are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. Right? So there's no credit there. You sin, you're harshly treated, and you're enduring with patience. Where there is credit is, but if when you do what is right and you suffer, you patiently endure it, this finds grace with God. That's what Peter is saying. And finally, we have the perfect example uh, through our Lord and Savior, right? In verse 21 says, You've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow his steps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. That is a perfect example for us. Keep in mind that forgiveness is is key in our lives, right? Forgiveness is key in our marriages, in our families, in our church, uh, everywhere. And we're called to do that because we have the great example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let, let us pray. Dear Lord and Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful for having you in our lives. We're thankful that we serve the creator of the universe. And we're thankful that we have received forgiveness from you, Lord. We know that we don't deserve that forgiveness. That there's nothing good in us to to ask for that, but you, out of your love, uh, send your son to be the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we're thankful, Lord Jesus, that uh, through you we have forgiveness of sins. Through you we can have fellowship with the holy and righteous God. Uh, How thankful we are, Lord, for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We're thankful that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we can uh, rejoice in your salvation, that we can rejoice in your word. Thank you for uh, your words this morning. Lord, we just pray that um, you can speak to, to our hearts, that we can put in practice uh, your nature, your attributes, Lord, that we can show that the church of Christ is recognized by its love and by its forgiveness. Help us not to be stuck in our own emotions and our own feelings, but help us to be mindful of our neighbors and to really practice what you said, to love our neighbors as ourselves. As we um, just go this week, Lord, we just ask for your blessing and help us to glorify you in everything that we do. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.